Well, hello again. This is Shane, and this is Heartlines. Today's episode is episode 50. Yes, I've come a long way. The big 5-0, and with very special guests on this week's show. This guest is all the way from Brooklyn, NYC. His name is Jason Levy, or his as his followers know him as the Jason Experience. Welcome to the show, Jason. How are you doing? Number one, congratulations. Um, that's, that's a lot of podcasting. It's a lot of talking, a lot of listening. Yeah. So I'm happy to be here. Let's yeah. chop it up. That's great. Yeah, let's chop it up indeed. Um, so yeah, good to see it. I I met you well, well by happenstance in a sense because in my role as a guide, a tour guide, and your love of whiskey. But we'll get back to that uh, very shortly. And then we just connected, and then I realized you were very different because you were going around and you were like taking pictures. And then I asked you, oh, so what what do you do? And you said I do Instagram, and I'm I'm traveling at the moment. But I want to bring it back. Okay, so you're you're from Brooklyn, New York. New York is a hard place. Talk about where you're from in Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm from uh, Church Ave, so um, what you guys probably know, like, is like let's say Bed Stuy, where like Biggie grew up, or like if you thought about like, um, like in in retrospect to like actually, it's hard because like there's no like really big landmarks where I'm from. Church mm-hmm. Ave is like only if you were from New York would you know where that is. Um, but I mean, it's a really it's a neighborhood that really developed over the years. So like it evolved on so many levels and continued to change throughout. And I watched it because I grew up in the '90s. I'm a '90s baby. Um, so it's a lot different for, for me, from my perspective, because I've seen it go from one to being gentrified, you know, to growing up in that in that landscape and really experiencing so much change as a, as a kid. It, it makes you versatile. You know, what I mean, mm. like like New York is a melting pot of every single culture and every single religion. And we all coexist and we have to coexist. And we know that. Um, so it's really about finding that one commonality of oppression that brings us together, like we all are struggling with the same infrastructure with the same, you know, this, like, there's no, you're not like getting jumped because of some racial, you're just getting jumped. So everybody's fighting the same, you know, stereotypes and, and the same, I guess, struggle We're all in the same way. So like, that's what brings us together. And it works, honestly. Uh, Cause like my, like my only uh, experience in New York, it was in 2007 and I was on a, what do we call a J one visa? It's a student visa. And I got to I got to go to New York on my on the tail end. So I went I spent most of my time in San Diego, California. There's not that much love for Irish there, but in New York there's a good Irish diaspora over the years, you know. Um so but I ended up staying in Lexington Avenue one twenty fifth, just above Harlem there. So that was that was real like New York for me, you know, like that was wasn't like you know, I wasn't staying on Fifth Avenue or whatever. It was really like with the local sort of thing, you know. Yeah, Harlem is also like you meet a lot of transplants, a lot of expats, you know, a lot of people from a lot of other countries because they can't obviously afford to stay in the city. It's so expensive. Yeah. So they go up to Harlem and up to the Bronx. You know, anywhere in New York where you get like the bodega on the corner, Dominicans playing dominoes outside at the barbershop, like that's that's New York, you know, you know, for you. Um, if you could walk like two blocks in Brooklyn and nobody says anything to you, it could be like, hi, what's up? Uh, nice shoes. Blah, blah. If no one talks to you, 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 you're not in like New York, New York. You know what yeah. I mean? Someone's going to holler at you at some point from the store. Like, the, like it's just going to happen. That's just yeah. New York, man. They loud, they assertive, and they're going to tell you how they feel every single day. So it is what it is. There's no airs or grace. It's very, like, in your face, you know? That's who we are. But at the same time, they're still so, like, to themselves. It's, it's yeah. really interesting. Like, everybody is like, well, you do you, I'm going to do me. Like, nobody, yeah. like, it's not like we're about to... If you need your car jumped, like, no, you're not about to get help from thy neighbor. It's really not like that. But uh, at the same time, we'll comment, be like, yo, good luck. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like, That's true. Like yeah, you, yeah. Might, you might see someone really stressed out and be like, yo, man, like, I hope it gets better. But you're not about to sit down and listen to him. Like, no, you just no. going to be like, stay up, stay up, fam. Like, yeah, I hope. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. A- so it's, it's real interesting. No, it is. Definitely it is. No, so tell me about Brooklyn because, you know, I think wherever you're from shapes you. So Brooklyn obviously shaped you because you, as you say, from New York's a melting pot, but Brooklyn in particular, what's so special about Brooklyn that's made kind of a uh, last impression on you? Because you were telling me just before we came on, you love being home because you've been traveling for a little bit. Yes, I mean, my story is real interesting uh, from, from its inception because when I grew up, I grew up in an in, um, in Orthodox Jewish house, like really religious house, actually. Mm. And we had like a hostel for immigrants in the basement. So at a really young age, I was exposed to many people coming in and you know hospitality i was the youngest so i had to take care of them you know just be there giving serving them tea serving them food whatever it was so at a really young age i was exposed to so much but at the same time it was a bubble you know i mean they create a societal bubble around it so that you don't venture off but my love for basketball is what allowed me to really you know become as versatile as i am today because i would play basketball from sun sunset man until like as soon as it hit four o'clock we would be there till like 11 yeah. so, so, till, till the lights went off mm. so like that really shaped me man and on a basketball court again it's like it's tough and they will they will bully you they will until you and you got to just bounce back every time get up get up get up get up it don't matter how you look they might call you Zohan, they might like if you're Jewish, they might call you pretty bad shit. I'm not even gonna say it on air, but they expect you to either fold and leave or bounce back. And then if you do, you get you get the respect you know you really yeah. want, and that's basically how it go. I mean, so I felt like at that point in my life, um, there was two avenues for me to learn from. There was this hospitality and this and religion and. And then there were sports and the mm. two of them together really exposed me to so many different avenues where at this point, I just feel like an intersection that I'm, I can go anywhere. So did you, did you go to college and, 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 and play basketball at a level like college level, or were you just playing basketball? Like, kind of, like amongst kind of your local community sort of thing. I think people don't really understand like how competitive basketball is in New York. Like mm. every single person plays basketball. Like you can be amazing and you're not about to play college. So I could have played D3, but, I wanted to go D1, so I had this idea. I had, I was great academically, so I got an academic scholarship. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to just walk on on the, on the D1 team. Didn't work out for me. I ended up playing club basketball. Which I just enjoyed, man. I got a love for the game. Like, I love basketball. Uh, I played basketball, softball, baseball. I mean, basketball, baseball, football. Yeah. We just, you know, we just played sports out here. Like, in the 90s, you didn't have, like, PlayStation. We did, but, like, I mean, you have to, like, blow the cartridge and like everything would freeze and <laughs> adjust antennas to watch tv like it wasn't that enjoyable like you go outside man i'd rather just uh, play the game uh, so we were outside a lot we were exposed to a lot because of that yeah uh, because like you because I, when i met you like there's such a there's such a presence about you because i i know like from my experience again in new york a lot of people are kind of selling themselves and you kind of sold yourself to me but you didn't overly sell yourself but i i, I could see you have that kind of kind of um marketing side to you so did you go and study business or marketing what you study when you went to, into college so i studied politics and global economics i was interning at the supreme court at the time i did three years there and um i was mm. really you know gearing up to be a lawyer um and then eventually get into politics uh but you know at, at the same time like you just like there's someone that watches let's say like soccer or football by you let's say football Mm. Uh, there's three types of fans. There's your average fan who's just like tuned in in the World Cup, right? He's like, oh, World Cup's here. We're going to watch. 
And then it's the fan that makes believe he knows more players than he does. And he's like jumping up and down for like, why is that offside? And he has no idea what's going on. Then the guy who's like silent in the back that knows every single player, he's got a fantasy team, like he knows all the rules. I look at the same way at politics. You know, I mean, you got uh-huh. your average person who, who's watching the elections and then you have, you know, the guy who like knows all the pundits and is regurgitating every single talking point from either the right or the left, whichever one. And then you have the guy who's kind of silent. Like, that's kind of like me. I don't really have opinions that much, but I watch it like a sport. Like you watch what happens in, in the legislation branch and you watch it being implemented. You watch what happens on the streets. You watch it, how trade moves from, uh. let's say, like like sanctions in Iran affecting oil in India and then the price of bread, go, like stuff like that that you watch from abroad. It's real interesting to me. So I just watch it like a sport. Um, and I enjoy it, man. It's it's weird, but I really enjoy it. When I when I, when I met you, like you were you were traveling. Oh, you're doing a fair few, yeah. a few, a few, a few, a few countries. How did that come about? How did that come about when you decided, okay, especially during a pandemic, you're like, okay, I'm gonna go and travel a bit. I know it's not gonna be easy, but I want to go and travel, and, and, and I'm gonna go on my own. Which I a lot of people like respond, going on your own traveling is another added stress that you probably don't need. Yeah, I worked in nightlife for seven years. So I was working, I I, I created a business called the, the Jason Experience. There was mm-hmm. a lack of accountability in the business. So I wanted to put my name on it. Um, and the business kind of, you know, started small and we built up. We had around like 32, 40, 32 to 40 employees at, at one point. Uh, we were throwing major events. So three times a week, you know, I mean, 52 weeks a year. Mm-hmm. Then you have all the holidays, Thanksgiving Eve, Christmas Eve. And then we started booking artists. So we booked, you know, Travis Scott, Nicki Minaj, um, all the big guys, basically anybody that you could think of, we booked them. Um, and we were just doing, you know, show after show after show. We went on tour, we did DC, we did parties in Philadelphia, we did parties in Boston, uh, Maryland. Like we really moved around with this, with this event company. Yeah. Um, and then it became like a personality. So I jumped on the radio. I did two years on radio, got my own podcast, got assigned to the function house, did a year and a half there, interviewed guys like Funk Flex, Bobby Trends. It was really like a dream come true. I did everything I never expected myself to do. And again, if you remember, like I'm an Orthodox, I, I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish house. So like for mm. a kid who didn't know who Jay-Z was till he's like 15, to then interview like a guy like Funk Flex who invented the first hip hop radio show and then turned the hip hop radio show into a station. So you got to progress. So it's like, if I couldn't find something above it, I was going to leave it. Like I never, I didn't see, I feel like it was at its peak and people wait until it hits rock bottom to leave. And I said to myself, like, uh, you did great things before this, you'll do great things after this. So why not just have this as a chapter in your life, like a footnote in, in your book instead of making it the entirety of the book. So I kind of just fell back, took my chain, put it around my mom's neck, caught the first flight out, never looked back. Yeah. So what, 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 where did you, did you have a plan of what, what country to go to? Or did you just go to like Europe and just kick around there? Or did restrictions affect you? Or did you, yeah, how did it work? Yeah. I mean, not at all. So like my, my mom, uh, God bless her, love her. Um, she never knew how old she was because her she immigrated from Morocco to Israel and her papers, like she didn't have like a real birth certificate that she knew of, but her dad died like when she was four or five years old. So I went to Morocco to hunt down his gravestone so I could find out how old my mom is. So we went from graveyard to graveyard in Africa looking for this, I have military pants on like, a, a mm. and I'm like searching for this grave until I found it. And she knows how old she is now. She's real emotional, real happy that I did it. And that's kind of like where I started the travels. I went, and then I went to 32 countries. 32. So you went to Morocco first. So where did you go after Morocco, like after, you, after your first uh, stop? So I did Casablanca, Marrakesh, Tangier, and Agadir. 
in Morocco one month, getting to know my culture, learning the language, and just kind of getting to know what Morocco's like. And then yeah. went from there to Egypt, spent two weeks in Cairo, one week in uh, Horgada. And then from there, I went to Istanbul. I love Turkey, man. Great food. Then I went to Tirana, Albania. Honestly, one of my favorite places in the world. I'd definitely be going back there. And then I went and I spent a month in Colombia. Um, wow. That was fun. That's an extreme. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, 20 I... hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to Cartagena, Cali, uh, Bogota, Medellin. I was there for like a month and a half. And then um, Europe opened up. So it was like Galileo follows the North Star. I was following COVID guidelines. Like, yeah. really like just trying to figure out whatever was open you know i burned a flight to bangkok because they closed on me twice like so many pcr tests like i've had so much shit shoved up my nose it's disgusting uh, like literally like it, it was really difficult to get around but i mean everywhere you went there was no tourists so the upside mm. was amazing like i got like a personal tour of the guinness factory i got a personal tour of, of the pyramids like nobody was there when i was there so like yeah 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 that's great um also as well like you know you said like you were traveling alone because I, I i i follow your social media your jason experience and as pictures you just like ask people to take pictures of you and you kind of go or, or you just you just have like your little, your little tripod with you or whatever to take photos if you're yeah this you know. is this has been a very constant question i'm not really sure why people are, are fascinated by the fact that like i thought it was so simple i literally take uh, i'm reading right now crime and punishment by dostoevsky okay. so like let's say you're going to the glada towers the pyramids wherever you're going like there's going to be another like influencer or somebody else there that's like handy with a camera so like i would either do two things i would come read a book until like i would see someone with a nice camera and okay. just ask them or i would take a tour i did a walking tour every single country and there's always some dude with a camera like an excessively big camera taking pictures on the walking tour so i'm like yo can you get one of me like it's really not i never but people keep asking me this and i'm like honestly i thought that was pretty easy yeah, but the pictures, I, that's why people ask. It's, the pictures are so polished. It's, it's, it's almost like a professional has taken them, you know, and, and, and then they go, they go through a bit of, like, editing, yeah. and then you've got a nice polished picture ready for social media. That's what, what it looks like, you know, but it's not. Like, you just got someone who has a good handle on photography, and you take a nice picture, and you go, oh, I like that, I'm going to post that. Yeah, I mean, it's both. It's like knowing what not to post. You know, it's about really mitigating the amount of content you put out so it looks smooth. I think people overpost and overshare um, and don't understand that more people aren't going to see something if it's longer. Like the attention span, if you look at TikTok, if you look at the attention span is coming shorter and shorter. So mm. it's like no one's about to swipe 12, 15 times or watch a story that's like three minutes long. You know what I mean? Like even the podcast, you're going to chop this up so that people can listen to it. So it's, yeah. that's just the landscape right now. So how did you uh, get into Instagramming and then also work on a podcast and help, help them promote their podcasts? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty easy for me. I thought that like there's no marketing class that's built for the 21st century, right? They're teaching you marketing for basically like it's ancient time like mm. marketing has shifted to digital to digital so it's like you can just youtube marketing techniques now and actually learn probably better than in the classroom because the professor is going to be phd so it means he's going to be at least like 50 usually so his marketing techniques might work in the 1980s and the 90s this is 2021 people are addicted to clout not crack like in the 80s we had crack now they have clout they do, yeah, people yeah. want clout 
They just yeah. want to be relevant and they want to be a part of the news cycle. And that's why the news is never talking about the things that are important. They're just talking about what they can continue to regurgitate and push that people are going to like tune into. So whatever is controversial at the time. So once you get a good gr- grasp of like the, the scene, you're able to really adjust to it. It's really that simple. Like I felt like a lot of people, it's like also the gym, like people want like tricks to get bigger. And I'm like, just show up, man, show up mm. every single day. And you're good. Like if you post every two hours, more people are going to see it. Like just buy into the algorithm. You can't like go against the algorithm. People want to change the matrix, but don't want to enter it. You can't do that in yeah. this in, in this field, at least. So the algorithm is like what hashtags you use or what time of the day you're kind of you're posting and stuff like that. Would that, would that affect kind of like how much traction that is going to see a certain post? Yeah, I mean the hashtags. Okay, so like your your main objective in 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 product selling or podcasting is actually retention. It's not about you know the people that like let's say you get twenty thousand views, but then the next week you got a hundred. That means that people are listening to the specific episode that you put on. So like it was the content of that episode that went viral. Yeah, you still have it built up an audience that will come back every single time. So it just depends which one you're doing, right? If your objective is to just make one viral video go off. Then you load it up with hashtags, you share it a billion people. There's, there's a whole different algorithm. Mm. But if you're now trying to create retention and build a base that follows you, you have to create a personality that engages on a daily basis. So it's like everything you do cr- is, is creating engagement. You know what I mean? Mm. Everything you do throughout the day creates engagement. And you want to post every two, three hours so that it's always the top. You're always the first one there Yeah. when people are looking at their phones. So, I mean, it's really about giving people tips on also what not to post. I think it's more about what not to do than what to do. People people on social media do a little bit too much. So it's like, hey, man, like I get you want it, but you don't need to do that. Like like focus on what's important um, and lay that content out there because they're going to want to see it. My whole I- ideology behind, you know, what I do specifically is that I'm grass rooting for my future. So it's like if you take the Elizabeth Warren route and basically take a selfie with every single person, create that connection. Now each person has a story with you and then they tell their friends about it and it keeps going. The best song is the song that you want to share with your friends because they didn't hear it yet. Mm. So it's like, okay, yo, come, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. So you want to be that guy that's not known by so many, but yet being told about, being people being told about. And you got to stay the underdog. The second you like, if you continuously like put up captions like you're winning, people start to turn on you yeah. because they want to prove you wrong. But if you play this, you know, humble person, people want to encourage you and push you forward. So even when you do get successful, don't throw it in their face. Be like, oh, this is great, but I still got more to go. You know what I mean? So like you want them to be on the journey with you. The second you cash out, they're, they're, the audience is gone. Like yeah. there's no story left. You know what I mean? Yeah. They want to tell their friends that like their friends may be like, Oh, he's not cool. And they're going to be like, no, nah, he really is. They, like, they mm-hmm. want to convince people now. Like it's, 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 it's crazy. Do you have anyone who inspired you to become like this version of yourself? You know, like I, I like, I'm sure over the years you've been challenged in certain ways and then you've just become this, what's it saying? Uh, this kind of yeah, unique kind of version of yourself since, you know, you know, the last few years. I think I'm most inspired by like the person I used to be. Like, I really think that when I look back and I see my life and I'm like, Hey, like I never thought, I never thought that I would accomplish this much and just travel the world alone and do everything that I've done. Like it's, it's just incredible journey. So like 
I always push myself further because I'm like, Hey, if you were able to accomplish this, what else can you do? What, what's, mm. what can't you do? Like why, why limit yourself? You know what I mean? Yeah. There's the ceiling is, is it, there's no ceiling when it comes to your own passion and your own individual success. If you're trying to bring a team together, if you're trying to, that's a whole other, you know, ball game, but yourself, like you're going to give up on yourself. No, I'm going to bet on myself every single time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you have to educate yourself as well. I mean, I mean, when you went traveling, I'm sure you had to, you learned a lot about yourself because you were putting yourself in, I mean, did you learn Spanish or do you know Spanish? When you went to Colombia? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I spoke a lot of Spanish. <laughs> Spanish, I speak Hebrew fluently, uh, Arabic too, a lot. Um, I, look, you're right, traveling changes you. Um, mm. But there's a lot of people that travel and don't put themselves out of their comfort zone. You know what I mean? Like, I never stayed at a hostel in my life. So I was like, when I'm traveling, like, I used to go to, a, I went to, I think, four or five uh, out of the 30 countries. And it was way out of my comfort zone, like, yeah. you know, but I loved it because I, I didn't love the moments of it. I love the fact that I put myself in those situations to show myself that nothing can phase you, like nothing can stop you. You yeah. can do anything if you put yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, people replay their failures too much in their head. Like they're not thinking about the success they had. They think about the failures they've had. They think about the embarrassing times in front of other people while other people are not thinking about that moment. Stop focusing on all the things that you've done wrong and push yourself to do right with the fuel that you've used before by doing the good things that you've done. Life, life is like boxing. You know what I mean? Like, like you're going to fight your demons every single day. But if mm. you're in the ring and you got to look back, then you're going to get blindsided. So it's yeah. super important you have someone in your, in your corner that you can trust, that can give you good advice, that can push you in the right direction. So now you have someone back there, you never have to look back. So you can stay and you can fight and you can focus on your opponent. And your opponent is everything in your life that's trying to hold you down. Mm. So you just keep your hands up, stay focused on that, and make sure that they got your back. Yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. So since you you're only back a few days i thought when i when i when i saw you a few days ago i thought you were still traveling last kind of That's country it. that was your last stop yeah. i didn't know that i thought you were going on to the uk you were going on to france or wherever wherever was open i know the uk is more open i did it all man i did every eu country i was in london scotland did the highlands of scotland which is mm. beautiful then i yeah. went to dublin edinburgh and scotland was beautiful but i did the whole uk at that point so and in dublin the flight home was cheap and i was like this is a smart place to end it like uh, I really, I was happy, man. It was, it was how much more? It was, it was a lot. Like I really did nine months in all those countries. So I was really happy that it ended in Dublin. Were you trying all the local delicacies food wise? Like, yeah, I'm not like, I don't ever feel like my comfort zone is food. Like I really do like what okay. I like. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I never felt like that would change anything. Like uh. me trying a new food would, you know, it's, it's, it's still food. Like, you're going to eat it. You might not like it. You might like it, but that was it. So like, for me, it was more about like, I've never went swimming in the sea. So like in Tangier at 8 PM on curfew, like it was pitch dark. It was curfew out. I just one, one night I was just writing in my journal on the, on the porch and I just got up and ran into the sea, like uh, stuff like that, that I'd never done in my life. And it was like you against nobody's watching, just go do it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Or like, 
having dinner alone in all the restaurants that I've had. Like, no, don't do takeout. Go sit down, have some dinner. Um, reading and talking to like shop owners and learning about their life story and their struggles. And, you know, the gender situation in so many countries is, is, is horrible. The way like they treat women and the gender roles and societal norms in different societies and learning about the, the wage gap between, you know, the, the, the poor and the rich and the working class, all these things is really what, what impacts me at least. So mm -hmm. I really got to know that from the bottom up. You give out money a lot more, like like because you've been on the road and you know what it means to like be somewhere without a card and they only accept like with a card, they only accept cash and yeah. somebody gives you like a dollar or something. So like whatever situation it is, like you're staying in a hostel and there's no Bob, somebody helps you with like toothpaste, like stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah, really yeah. opens your eye. You know what I mean? So you yeah. start helping more. That's yeah, the way I see it. That's great. Yeah, no, that's that's a it's a great way to think as well, because I know we're all remember, remember few months ago reading about malcolm gladwell you know um where you know talking to strangers you know it's easier said than done these days everyone's glued on, on into their devices you know so it's it's in your head you're like oh, i want to talk to this person but then you, you sit down and you go ah, i'm not brave enough to talk to people you know what i mean so it's good that you you put yourself out there and you met lots of interesting people because you were on your own you had no one else to kind of fall back on and say look come on sort out you know this is this is this is this is your time no one else is going to like kind of dictate the play it's all about you so you found out a lot about more about yourself than being yeah there's no rationalization that's what i love about it it's like yeah. a lot of the times okay you I, lo I lost my debit card i don't have now somebody else with me to use theirs yeah so you're held accountable every step of the way yeah like every decision you do wrong that's on you mm. that really builds accountability and it builds confidence in your decision making honestly but like, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, went to the Sistine Chapel, went to the mm. pyramids, went to the pyramids of Giza, went to Chernobyl, did a tour of Chernobyl, did it, went to Auschwitz, went to Treblinka, went to uh, just amazing moments like, like, and learned so much about like, you know, the past of the world. So yeah, yeah, it was yeah. honestly incredible. That's, that's very fascinating, man. It is. I mean, I'm guessing you're going to write the book, are you? Um, I hate pod, I hate podcasters that like, like talk about a subject they haven't worked in like i worked in nightlife so i did a podcast about mm. nightlife but i only did it nine years in. people did it like told me to do it in the beginning and i'm like i don't know enough yet about yeah. this i feel like i have to get a little older to start writing um but maybe i'll start you know just for myself and i, I wait I yeah before before anything hold on hold on hold on bank yeah, nice i'm gonna screenshot that hold on give me a second let me screenshot that. Let me see. Give me a second. Wait, one more time. Hold it, hold it. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Wait, screenshot. I have to hit a screenshot. Okay, there we go. Beautiful. Yeah, it's in. The, it's saved somewhere. I'll find it. Thanks. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I, I got I gotta, I gotta it. It doesn't look up. like you, though, the guy on here. Yeah, it's. it's Is it because there's no beard? Yeah, it's an old. I shaved it now, but it's an old. It's an older photo. Um, but uh, yeah, my beard comes and goes. I've had a mustache like for November and shit like that. But uh, I like the beard. But no, um, it, that's the thing. I I thought I'd ask you on, and, and it's no. Yeah, if, if, if you talk as much as we do. Yeah, I I do. We do. We do like to talk. Yeah. Now, so yes, you got no. Yeah, so you got back to New York. So what's the story now? What's the plan? What What's the next step for for Jason and the the Jason experience? So, I mean, right, right now, um, my family's in the granite business. We, we do stone, marble design, uh, architecture. Um, okay. And we have, right now, we have three brothers. And so my dad started the business a long time ago. 
uh, after he passed, my mom took the business over. And now yeah. it's basically me and my two brothers. So we're running, I'm running installation and fabrication teams all day. My brother okay. does design work and my other brother does tiles. Yeah. So I think, you know, the my palette has, has, has just developed beyond the landscape of nightlife. Like, mm. you know, you're not going to enjoy Carbonier Sauvignon when you're 17, but at 26, 27, you might enjoy it with a glass of wine with, with a good movie. Huh. So I think my palette just went beyond just the consistency of, of just missing out on every single holiday because you're at a party or, you know, just not being able to get uh, settled down with a, with a, with a woman because like you're just amongst all this filth. So it's, it's really hard to develop, um, you know, a, a life that's conducive to your health. So yeah. I was super excited to, you know, do this. Um, and then I got something coming on the media side for myself, you know, for, for what I love to do. Um, so I do have a media thing coming and that's, that will stay tuned. I can't, I can't, you know, we still doing contract, little paperwork. So when we get that done, uh, maybe I'll come back on. Super excited for both ends, you know what I mean? To have that in my life where I can work every day and, and hopefully create a healthy lifestyle and, you know, just grow the business as much as possible. Um, and at the same time, do the media, you know, on the weekends and, and really yeah. take that off, hopefully. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think for me, I, I think myself and yourself just need a creative outlet and it's doing podcasts or doing your media work outside of, out with of your, your the family company, which is very important as well. Um, It's important. It's important to express yourself, you know, and, and, and with all that, all you've learned about yourself since traveling, that will definitely add to it for sure. Yeah, there's a lot more content that I haven't put out, so I'm excited. Um, It's going to be back. It's going to mm. be back. Excellent. No, good stuff, man. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly finish up, okay? So uh, you told me about like what's what you're up to at the moment. Do you have any mantras? You know, like oh, there's no traffic in your own lane. I always uh, say that, man. Find mm -hmm. your lane. Everybody find. Everybody stops looking for acceptance at a different time. So the second you stop looking for acceptance, that's when you're gonna find your own lane, and then it's just cruise control from there. Um, and don't do too much. Stop doing too much, man. Keep yeah. telling him outside. Stop doing too much. In New York, like if you approach a girl and she wanted like she, and like you do it in a weird way, she'll tell you she's like, "Yo, you're doing too much." Like that's how we do it. So it's like you're doing too much. Yeah, yeah. I, and that says everything you need to know. Like relax, tranquila, mm. tranquila, suave, suave. Like doing too much, man. So mm. yeah, I'll yeah, man. Any followers from London uh, or any people? I shouldn't say followers. Mm. Any people in London that want to tap uh, that from Ireland and Dublin that want to tap in, um, come to New York, need advice, need suggestions on where to go, stuff to do. You know, my DM is always open. I yeah. know I look really mean in the photos, but I promise you, I'm actually really nice. So, yeah, thank you. I agree, man. All right, man, take it easy. Yeah, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you very, very soon. I'll talk to you soon, man. Take it easy, man. Yeah. And that was Jason Livio, the Jason experience. Yeah, I'm glad he came on for a little chat because uh, just I only met him for, again, a short amount of time, like about 20 minutes of his whole 32 kind of country journey. And he just was so nice. And I, I asked, would you come on the show? And he said, yeah, okay. And I am so grateful because it's episode 50. The work that goes into producing the podcast especially when you're on your own i know people say oh you should get a, 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 a someone along with you but if i find, find that person if you find someone like me i'll, I'll think about it but uh, at the moment this is myself this is shane this is heart lines if you enjoyed this episode and every other episode going back there's another 49 episodes to listen to enjoy remember you're always welcome here on heart lines take it easy and bye bye thank you bye